recently reading a book from Brother Brian Kinsey. And he tells a great story. I'm going to open with that tonight. Finish. And, uh, to understand winning, you must first have a proper definition of losing. Perhaps one of the best people to provide that definition is a man, a man named Larry Gelwicks. Anybody ever heard of that guy? I had never heard of him. Um, well, Larry is one of the winningest coaches in the history of high school athletics. Over a 35-year coaching career, Gelwicks led Salt Lake City's Highland School rugby squad to a 418-10 record. That's almost a 98% win rate. This means that, that Larry's teams lost, on average, only one match every three and a half years. It's no wonder his coaching philosophy was, was featured in a 2008 film entitled Forever Strong. What is losing? Well, Gelwicks puts it this way. He says, there's a difference between losing and being beaten. Being beaten means that they are better than you. They are stronger, they're faster, and they're more talented. But to Gelwicks, losing means beating yourself by losing sight of what's important and making bad choices. The difference between losing and being beaten. He taught his players that they must expect to win by focusing on the things that matter most and making good decisions in the moment. So here's his lesson. While an adversary may defeat you, only you can choose to lose. While an adversary may defeat you, only you can choose to lose. And so I chose a very strategic title slide tonight. Our title is The Will to Win, but I just thought that was an excellent, excellent title slide there. Um, in case... In case you don't know, that's Vince Lombardi. Uh, the NFL Lombardi Trophy, the Super Bowl trophy, the winners of the Super Bowl get a trophy named after the coach of the Green Bay Packers. And uh, he led the Packers to several world championships before they developed the Super Bowl. And then he went ahead and just won the first two Super Bowls, too. The first one he won uh, beat a team out of Kansas City. facts. This is not. Wow. All I'm doing is just talking about historical fact. I'm not even, I'm not even saying anything. So to lose is to let something slip through your hands. When stuck in a poor life situation, you lose by letting victory slip away through a lack of faith, apathy, or inaction. And that begins with a losing mindset. A losing mindset with God is be believing that you have no choice. That's where a losing mindset with God starts. You are you're thinking defeat is inevitable. You are stuck in your situation and there's nothing you can do. You are, you are, a, a, you are a prisoner to your circumstance. That is losing. That is a letting your situation dictate your mindset. The greatest enemies we face are not an adversary. It's our own mind. It's our thoughts. It's our outlook. The devil wants you to believe that you, you got to settle for less. You're, you're less. You have to, you, you, you got to settle for less than what God's called you to be because your current circumstance, your current situation, your current abilities, your current anointing, your current calling, your current age, your current gender, your current athletic ability, your current uh, socioeconomic background, your current education, whatever that is, you have to settle in and just be this person. And you can never do anything because of whatever external circumstance is in your life. Well, Satan wants you to believe you cannot change, that you can't overcome anything, that you just cannot win. And if you accept that, you will always be a loser. I don't want to stand in a pulpit and call the church a loser. But if we accept that 
We are always just going to be a, a, just a prisoner to our circumstance. And there's nothing we can do about it. We will always be losers. Revelation is the opposite of deception. Sunday I started talking about deception a bit. And deception is a lie from the devil. Revelation is truth from God. Devil uses deception. God uses truth. Deception brings confusion. Revelation brings clarity. And so if you're ever looking at something going, I just don't know the will of God in this. I feel so confused. Just sit tight and God will make his will clear because God's not a God of confusion. God's a God of clarity. And so when you walk in truth, you have the ability to relate your current circumstances to the larger story of your life as God defines in the world. So my current circumstance is not where this, but, but when we're human, this is what we get consumed with. What is right here, right? What, what, what's tangible? What's in our face? What the emails we're getting today, the calls we're getting today, what our kids are acting like today, what the job is saying today. We're looking just right here. And so everything's miserable. And then we start to blame God. Where are you? Why are you letting this happen? What is this? Because we're looking right here. Instead of going, hang on a second, this does not dictate the whole story. If I look forward, I go, I, I, I walk by faith and not by sight. Now, we use that passage all the time, but stop and think what that really means. That if I'm walking by faith and not just by sight, the things I can see today are not the things that are going to dictate the long-term story. So once in a while, I got to step back, even though I might not be happy or healthy or financially, uh, fiscally sound, or I might not be doing well in relationships, or I might not have opportunities in ministry. I might do whatever it is and go, well, if I'm walking by faith, I know that this is not the end of the story. I know that I can look forward and say, hey, there's a bigger picture here, and I'm not a prisoner to my circumstance, that I am going to be who God is calling me to be. And so, uh, Jeremiah, when we know this, we, we can say, well, I'm not going to stop. Deception will say, stop. Might as well quit. Might as well walk away. Might as well give up. Might as well look to go somewhere else, because this is as good as it gets. It's never getting any better than this. That's deception. That's not true. And so God always has his eye on us. He always has a plan for us. He says in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Notice his plans are not always, hey, what's going on today is the best it's going to get, and I hope that's good enough for you. He looks in his word, his prophetic word to Jeremiah, and we can adhere that to our own lives going, hey, hang on a second. His plans are not just for where I am right now. His plans are for the future <laughs> and for the fact that I'm going to sneeze. In those days, I'll pray and listen. If you look at me wholeheartedly, he says, you will find me. Nothing in your current circumstances dictate, dictates your future more than God. Nothing going on today that's happening right now is more powerful than God. And so there's no circumstance in your life today that cannot change. There's nothing going on today that God is not going, that's beyond my control, that's beyond what I can handle, that's too powerful, I just can't handle that, I can't do that, I can't overcome that. And so if you believe that, you are deceived. You're actually, you're actually giving in to the devil. It's that serious, that if you think where you are today is the best it's going to be, it's never getting better than this, and your circumstance has, has dictated who you're going to become in God, don't believe that. That is deceit. God looks at you and goes, I know the plans I have for you. You have a future, not just a present. You have a future, and it's not just eternity. Okay, that's why we always read this verse, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. He's got a plan for our lives. It's an ongoing plan. And so your future circumstance, your future doesn't end with today's circumstance. But when we're caught in today's circumstance, we say... I walk by faith and not by sight. But unless we're prayed up in the word, fasting, reading, studying, truth is most Christians in the United States of America walk by sight and not by faith. And that's Pentecostal churches too. This is not just like, oh yeah, that denomination, that denomination. No, if we are not prayed up 
in the word because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if I'm spending more time on social media or TV or entertainment, there's no chance that faith is high because I'm walking in the flesh. I'm not feeding the spirit faith. And so when it comes to a circumstance that's going to happen to all of us, because I don't know anyone here that I say, hey, who's had 365 straight, amazing, life-changing, wonderful days? Would you please stand? Ain't nobody. I think people could say, I got a great, I got a great life. I'm blessed. God's blessed me. But there's, there's going to be days where you go, I don't feel like I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, there might even be days you're going, man, my marriage is tough. Parenting's tough. Finances look rough. The house is falling apart. The car ain't starting. The job isn't what I wanted it to be. I thought I'd be further along in ministry. And I just feel like quitting kind of everything today. Usually that helps a little bit is just go out to eat and take a nap. Okay? Get yourself fed, take a nap, and like, let's go from there. Your future doesn't end because of today's circumstance. Oh, I walk by faith and not by sight. No, unless we're prayed up, unless we're in the Word, we're walking by sight and not by faith. And that is why we're looking at this present circumstance in front of me, going, this is all I see. All I see is this right here. It's just solid wood. I'm stuck right here. And God's going, how many times does the scripture say, lift up your eyes? Lift up your eyes. That's not an accidental statement. That is Jesus looking at us, God looking at his people through the word going, it's time to lift up your head. Your redemption draws now. Time to lift up because you're, you're getting so stuck looking at all this stuff. I can't stand when Christians are like, this world is bleak. This is, yeah, we know. The world's going to end at some point. God's come back for his people. But until then, I'm going to live here victorious. I'm not just going to wait. I think sometimes we get mixed up in this. Like, oh, yes, God's plan for your life is to just get baptized filled with his spirit and start living in holiness and Hold on until he comes back for you. What in the world? That is not what I see. You're not holding on by a thread just trying to make it until the future eternity. I'm going to say, you know what? This world, the darker the night, the brighter the light, and I want to take his hope and salvation and healing and deliverance, and I want to preach it and reach people and make disciples and, 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 and not stop. Why? Because when we trust and believe God, when we love him, we pursue him, we seek him wholeheartedly, our present situation, it doesn't, it doesn't dictate our joy and our peace. But I wish that was the case. Why? Because unless we're feeding ourselves, unless we're in his word, fasting, praying, doing these things, faith is being built. Truth of the matter is, again, we're walking by sight and not by faith. And our present situation will dictate our peace and our joy. Well, it's been tough, been rough, had a rough day, rough week, rough, that was a tough time at work. Well, because everything is based on what's going on today. But our lives have a pattern designed by a divine creator. These circumstances and they, these situations, they point to something. Instead of looking around, like when, when we get into a present circumstance we're not enjoying, instead of looking around and go, what next now? What's next now? Man, God, enough is enough. That instead we can go, huh. Can't, what's going to happen next? And people can look. That's why it's peace that passes all understanding. Because the world, anybody, when things are going well, anyone in the world can go, wow, of course you're rejoicing, you're blessed. You're not going to get anyone's attention rejoicing when you're blessed. But when you rejoice when there's a trial and a circumstance, that's when people notice and go, how is this possible? How is this happening? And you can go, because I walk by faith and not by sight. And so I know that this circumstance is what's happening today, but I know that long-term God has a plan and all things will work together for the good. And so the good that we define might not be his good, but I know he looks at me and he says, no, no, for your good, I've got a plan. I've got a long-term plan. I don't want to invest with somebody that says, I'm going to see what I can do for you for the next 28 days and then I'm out of here. 
Now, I'm 42 years old. I still got a little bit of time. I want a long-term investing plan. And that's what God, when he looks at us, he goes, here's where you are today, but I'm not done with you. This is not, this is not the end of your story. And so losing is a learned behavior. I'm not talking about an athletic event, a Bible quiz tournament, a game of chess. I'm talking about walking with God. I'm talking about an outlook in the spiritual realm. Being a winner or a loser is not based on the final score. It's based on the word of God and whether or not we put our faith in that. Certainly, God develops us through tests, trials, tribulations. I've preached whole messages on that, and I'm 100% an advocate and believer in that. But don't think for a second, again, that the Christian motto is, you live, you hold on, you die, then you see Jesus. I don't even want to be a part of that. I believe there's more to that story. Ultimately, our goal is to be in the presence of God for eternity. But God has called us to be winners long before that. It's not like it's just loser, 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 enter the, the, the pearly gates and now I'm finally a winner. No, the minute that he died on that cross made me a winner. God's called us to be overcomers. First John 4, 4, he says, you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won. You have already won over those people because the spirit, capital S, spirit of God, who lives in you is greater than the spirit, lowercase s, that lives in the world. So what is inside of you when you're a spirit-filled believer of God? You've already won. It's not like you're, oh, I'm waiting to win. I'm waiting to see if I win. I'm waiting to get to the end result. We already won. Scripture tells us that. And so if, we call, if we're called to be victorious, then we have to live victorious. We should show that we're victorious. Psalm 47, 1, he says, Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Now, God invites us to lift up a song of victory. That's why apostolic Pentecostal churches, we're insane. We're nuts. We go crazy. Why? Because we take the Bible literally. And so if the Bible says, clap your hands, all you people, when someone says, I don't believe that we should clap in church, this is like the most amazing gathering of victory in the history of humankind. You better believe I'm going to clap as loud as I can. I'm going to clap every single time that I go into a church building, every time I've begin to sing. I'm going to shout. I'm going to raise my voice. Why? Because it's a time to go, we're victorious. This is a celebration of who God is and what I'm able to be as a result of what he did. And so those, those shouts and worship were never meant to be based on our circumstance. So when I come in here, I don't go, man, I'm going to sit down for worship today because I've had a hard week. So last Sunday when you were standing, it's because you had a good week? That's not directed at anybody. General. So, hey, this time, man, I was really excited. I shouted and I praised. But this week, not so much. I'm a little tired. So, our worship was based on our energy level? No. Every time that I come into this facility or even pray at home, talk to God, that my worship, his worth, worship, that old Anglo-Saxon word, that his worship is not based on whether or not I got a promotion, the job I wanted, whether ministry is as far along as I was hoping, whether I got a car that looks nice or runs well or a house. It does not matter that worship is the same because if things are going wonderful, if things are going horrible, if things are challenging, if things are rewarding, that I can go, God, none of this is it, my wor your worship, what I'm offering you, has never one day been based on the vehicle I'm driving, on the clothes I'm wearing, on where I'm working, on what they're paying me, on who's coming to church with me, on who's calling me to preach. It, it's, never been, it's never been on that. I, every time I gather, I want to go, God, you are worthy. You are exalted. You are holy. You are wonderful. You are marvelous. You are glorious. God, because my situation does not dictate my worship. It's 
because of who you are, what you've done, your power, your authority. I walk by faith, so I'm not walking by sight. Today was a tough day. Today was a challenging day. This last month has been terrible, but God, you're worthy. I know that you will work all things together for my good. I know that there's a long-term story here, that my situation tonight, that's not the end of what your plan is for me. You told me you know the future plans you have for me too. And so victory is based on the fact God has a plan, and his plan is never overtaken by present circumstance. Even when David was on the run from Saul, living in the wilderness to keep him from being put to death, he was able to write the words to these psalms. He says in Psalm 34, 4, I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. 31, 24, so be strong and courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. He did not write that when, yes, I was extending my scepter. I was a rich man. Everybody was celebrating me. No, he's like, yeah, hang on one second. I got to go. A spear just got chucked at my head. Hang on one second. I'm worshiping right now, but I got to lay low because they're trying to kill me right now. How can I be strong when I'm weak, though? Paul wrote, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, he says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. You ever beg to have, you ever beg to ask, beg God to take something away? Raise your hand if you have and let me know I'm not alone. Paul did too. God says, no, my grace is going to get you through this one. I'm not taking nothing away. I know you would want me to take it away. We look at that in 2023, and I, and I know online here today, there are things that right now, if we could just rewrite our current chapter, we'd probably tweak it just a little bit. God, I want you to write my story, but, but if you're looking for an editor to hire, I'm available. He says, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect. I want that perfect strength. Yeah, but here's the thing. My my strength is made perfect in weakness. I don't, don't, I'm not a huge fan of that part. Can we strike that? Most gladly, therefore, I will glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Oh, man, Paul, you're, you're getting out there now. In reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. So instead of despising my weakness and cursing the curses and struggling with the challenges and the circumstances, I can actually step back and go, all right, God, this is a challenging season but maybe you're going to get glory in those around me when I begin to rejoice in you in spite of how things are going today. Because if I rejoice when the raise comes and the promotion comes, everybody says, well, of course. But if I get passed over and I get let go, if somebody fires me, I don't get the promotion, that I can go, God, I worship you. God, I'm going to glory in the infirmity, the circumstance, the challenge that's not going to take over. God, I'm going to love you. I'm going to, when people can look and go, what, who do you serve? How do you do this? And you can say, you know what? It's in weakness that God shows his strength in my life. It's in weakness that somehow he's working things in me that would not have been worked had, had God just answered Paul and said, yeah, you, you know what? Go ahead. I'll take it away. That thorn in your flesh, here you go. It's gone. Woo, I'm healed. He could testify. But God's miracles. But knowing as a family how many times my wife and I have begged God for healings and certain miracles. And God's chosen not to do that. And for now, the answer is my weakness. I find the strength of God in my infirmities. In our infirmities, we can find God's grace. And so God, he works something inside of us even though we go, if I was the editor... I would love to rewrite a couple of these chapters. 
And God says, but who's the author of the story? And if you, are, if you, you don't know how I'm going to end this story. So if you want to start making edits along the way, I'm going to let you do so, but it's going to impact the end of your story. And so guess what? Then you are not walking by faith. You're walking by sight. And if you want to edit your story, he'll let you. But it's going to impact the end. And for me, as hard as today is or tomorrow is or whatever it is, I'm going to stop and go, no, God, don't let me edit the story. God, I just want to worship you through every circumstance, every high mountain, every low valley. I want to worship you. I want to lift my hands. I want to exalt you because you're worthy. And in it, I want to trust that, God, today's not the end of my story. You're working something in me. You're molding, you're shaping, just like the potter and the clay. God, I don't, I, I, I don't want to, just like Isaiah could have overpowered his dad, Abraham. No, I want to say, God, I'm laying on the altar of sacrifice. I'm staying on the potter's wheel. I want you to mold and shape me. And if something needs to be tore off and reworked and started over, then please do so, God. Look at me and say, please, I, I pray that you love me enough to never stop working on me. I pray that you, you love me enough to not let me stay the same. Strength and weakness only comes from when God's word and promises dictate our outlook rather than our situation and circumstance. Having a revelation of truth allows us to see beyond today's horizon. It allows us to look past the circumstances of the moment. I want to see today through the lens of what God has planned. I want to look at myself that way. I want to look at our leadership team that way. I want to look at every new convert that way. I want every person that I interact with to go, I don't just see who they are today. I don't want to just see who I am today. I don't want to see any leader just the way they are today. I don't want to see any new convert just the way they are today. I don't want to see anybody that walks through the, the doors of this church, no matter what they look like, smell like, act like, talk like. I want to look at them and I want to say, wow, there is a woman of God. There's a man of God. What could God do with that life and that family and that leader? I want to look at every person and go, I, I, I don't want to just see them for where they are today. Help me to be like God to where, again, not in an arrogant way, but to be like God in his belief of people to where I can look at someone and go, I don't see you today just where you are. I see you where to where God is calling you to be. I want to, I want to get a vision of every person. I, I teach a Bible study to a disciple or pray within an altar. God, let me just let me just close my eyes and open them up and see uh, uh, them through your eyes of what you're calling them to be. Our present circumstance is not the end of God's story in our lives. David was able to praise God through his circumstance because he knew God had called and anointed him. So he wasn't like, forget this. I'm done. This is stupid. I quit. He kept going, hang on a second here. Today is excruciatingly hard, and, and it was difficult, and I'm feeling betrayed by people, and those closest to me are letting me down. My best friend is dead. I'm running from place to place. God, but here's the thing. It's not easy. It's not, it's not maybe what I would have chosen, but I remember when I stood in a field and a prophet poured his anointing oil upon me and you called me and you said you had plans for me. So I cannot stop today. I cannot just let go of this. I cannot just stop with where I am right now. And you know what? For some of us, I believe on a Wednesday night, dealing with the, uh, the strong pillars of the church, I believe that God's speaking to you. Yes, this is not a message that is meant for just a guest on a Sunday. This is to you because some of you have stopped dreaming. Some of you have just settled in in a chair going, this is it. This is what God has for me. And God's trying to step here and here tonight and go, this is not all that I have for you. It's just you've stopped dreaming. You've stopped saying, what more do you got? for me? What more are you calling me to be? Don't close yourself off and say, well, this is what I'm going to be. This is who I am. No, let him say, let him, let him step in there and still mold and shape some stuff. Let him get in there and start to work some things out going, I still have a divine call for your life. God is in control from the beginning to the ending. God's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the producer and the director. He wrote the screenplay for our lives. The script belongs to him. The ending wraps up with eternity, and we're all invited. But your greatest rival in this life is not another person. It's not even the devil himself. It's you. 
It's you. Paul knew he had to work hard because he was, he was his own worst enemy. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. See, I mean, modern culture wouldn't do well with that. Everybody gets a participation trophy. But scripturally, Scripturally, Paul says, <laughs> so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize. My boys are in a little basketball uh, camp right now at William Jewell College. Some of the, the head coach, assistant coach, and the college players are teaching them things for grades third to eight. And... Uh, he opened up, had them all sit down, and told them the story about it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert on anything. Now he's challenging trying to develop players. I'm not really pushing my kids to play basketball for 10,000 hours. But the principle of life is, hey, I'm to master something. It's going to take discipline. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an internal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. Guess what? Every single time I've ever shadow boxed in my life, I've never lost. But that's not much of a competition, is it? He says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Spiritually, just like exercise, you're not going to just walk in and say, well, I came to church. I, came, I haven't missed a service in a couple weeks. I've been to the altar every time. I thought they'd be easier by now. That'd be like an athlete showing up for their game going, you know, I got drafted in the majors, playing in the NBA. I thought I'd be good by now. No, there's a lot of discipline in mind, body, and spirit to get yourself ready for every single time you take a, a, a field, a court. He says, I discipline my body like an athlete training to do it what it should. We also need to discipline ourselves spiritually, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear after preaching to others. God forbid. God help me that I would ever say, man, I got 18 years of preaching messages and I myself be a castaway. I know it's a joke around here about how competitive my wife and I are. I think I've slowed up a little bit with age, but we'll, I don't know. But I'm concerned with anyone who gets used to losing. Especially when we're discussing eternal or spiritual things. There should be a fire in us. It's like, oh, I ain't losing. Not when it comes to that. God is an overcoming God, and he calls us to be overcomers too. God has an inheritance for you. Don't give up. Don't quit. But I think the challenge for us is sometimes we're going, I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I'm here. Look right here. Praise God. I'm raising my hand. I'm coming to the altar. But you know in your heart and your mind if you've actually given up. Today, this chapter of your story is not the end of what he has for you. Any of you say, well, you don't understand. I'm in my 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. It don't matter. There's another person to disciple. There's someone else to pray with. There's someone else to train, someone else to mentor. Don't ever get to the point that you go, this is it. This is all I am. This is what I've become. Because then you're right. That will be all you become. But that's not God's plan for you. That's your mindset. Second John 8, he says, watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. I don't want to just receive a sliver of my reward. I want to receive my full reward. I want God to look at me and go, I'm not done working on that guy yet. I'm still working on him. I still have a plan. Oh, there's still some rough edges there. If you can see rough edges in me as a pastor, congratulations. You're like Jesus. He sees them too. He's working on them. 
Good decisions are easier to talk about or plan than they are to actually act or perform. That's why 41% of people never keep any New Year's resolutions. And about 9% actually ever achieve the goal of the resolution. One of the main reasons is people make choices on emotion and fail to support it with action. Passion is powerful, but it only takes you so far. Once we get up from this altar in just a few minutes, once we return to school, the resolve wears off. Once we hit the first week after the gym, whatever it is, to be successful long term, we must support our decision with sturdy practices that uphold the choice. In our district, we've been working so hard in North American missions because the goal is a thriving apostolic work in every community. 300 new works by 2030, 200 by end of July. We ended up, when we made that, it was like 140 some. Right now we have 192 works. But we started working on structure, online applications, spelling things out. How do you plan to church? How do you define each step of the church? Why? Because every vision is powerful, but it's not sustainable without structure. And so in our heads, I can preach and I could try to motivate or encourage you or make a really powerful altar call. But I want to end with just three things here, and this is practical things, things that go, okay, we're going to come to an altar, but what will we do when we get up? Three brief ways we can win. Number one, do everything on purpose. Good, large decisions start with good, small decisions. When we get serious about God, we must support our big decision by making a series of daily smaller decisions that establish healthy growth. Man, I'll tell you what. That was a good message. Starting tomorrow, I'm going to pray two hours. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Are you currently praying 20 minutes? Because if not, I love your passion. I love your vision. Let's not start with two hours. Start with 20 minutes. Starting tomorrow, I'm going to read the book of Psalms. Whole thing, 150 Psalms. Are you currently reading a chapter a day? If not, let's go ahead and start with one chapter a day. When Paul said he didn't want to be a shadow boxer, a shadow boxer doesn't have focus. You know, they don't, they don't lose, but there's nobody in front of them. God didn't just call us to never lose. He called us to win, to be overcomers. That's why our, uh, our language should not just be about, just hold on. You're ever counseling somebody, and you be like, just hold on. Just, just hold on if you could just hold on. That's not God's will. God looks and says, you're an overcomer, more than a conqueror. He uses terminologies. That's, he, he doesn't ever paint the picture of me just going, oh, help, I'm just trying to hold on, God. Come back for me, Jesus. He's like, I put my spirit in you. You're begging me to be an overcomer. I already called you an overcomer. I already overcame the world and told you all about it. And so, Romans 8, 35, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulate is tribulation. Will that do it? How about distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? How about all these things that they were probably dealing with back then? As it is written, for thy sake we're killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things. I just listed out all the things that you guys are dealing with, he says to that church in Rome. He says, of all these things, he says, God said, we are more than conquerors. How? Through him that loved us. That's not just holding on. That's not just one day. He says, right now, you are more than conquerors. None of these things that come against you can get you and keep you down. Why? Because we walk by faith. When Jesus fed the crowd with five loaves and two fish, he did not just go, all right, we, wow, this is amazing. The last person's here, and there's your meal. Wow, Jesus, that would have been, in some ways, we think that would have been incredible. He had just enough 
We just had enough. We just ran out, and the last person just walked up. Jesus was like, five loaves, two fish, 10,000, 15,000 people. Watch this. Check this out. He does it, and then he goes, and just so y'all know, as you get ready to go on the earth, y'all 12 guys, go ahead and drive, grab your 12 leftover baskets, just because you need to carry those on this journey. You need to sweat a little bit so that when you go from this place, you got to remember that I don't need what you can provide, that for me, your circumstance is never going to be what dictates my miracle. So I just wonder if they had 12 baskets left over, if that was fun to try to carry home. And they're sweating, be like, hey, can you help me? I got my own, man. You know, no, no, no. You're going to carry those 12 leftover baskets. Why? Because I want you to remember something. When I'm ascended into heaven, I've called you to do this. Greater things than this are you going to do. And you got to get something through your head. I don't ever, my miracles are never based on the present circumstance. I'm always not just hanging on or just enough. I'm more than enough. Too many people make the bold choice to follow Christ, dedicate their lives to him, enter into covenant relationship with him, only to take a couple of weeks and everything goes back to life as usual. They continue living just as they always have. Maybe that's after the spirit infilling. Maybe that's after a good message about forgiving one another. And we say, God, oh, will you? I love you. Will you forgive me? Three weeks later, we're bitter again. That's not the way God called us to live. He calls you to be more than a conqueror, an overcomer, one and once and for all, like, you know what? I'm going to leave this at the altar. I'm done with this. I'm not going to pick that back up. But in order to live that way, we have to be intentional to do things on purpose. And the second thing, we have to surround ourselves with overcomers. When you choose to win and organize your life around a goal, some will be bitter and jealous. I wish I could say, but never in the church. That's not the case. But others will be attracted to your sense of resolve. And they will get up alongside you and go, show me how you're doing this. I want, I want you to teach me and train me and mentor and disciple me in some things. It's important because as the saying goes, show me who your friends are and I'll show you your future. When we surround ourselves with overcomers, this helps us to position ourselves to be overcomers. But the opposite is also true. When people around you are negative and they just pull you down, when all they tell you is the reasons why they lost and the reasons you're going to lose too, that mindset will impact you. We see a principle of people wearing off uh, on you and is discussing God's word. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 says, don't be friend angry people. Or associate with hot-tempered people, or you will learn to live like them and endanger your soul. I thought we were supposed to reach everybody. I thought we were supposed to. Well, I believe God's called us to love and to try to disciple a lost and dying world. But I do not believe that God mandates that we let every person into our inner circle. Speaking into our lives and having influence with us. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5, he says, you know what, Timothy? Last days are going to be very difficult times. People are going to love only themselves and their money. Listen, this is what he's talking about today. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to parents, ungrateful. They're going to consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving, unforgiving. Slander others have no self-control. They're going to be cruel and hate what is good. They're going to betray their friends. They'll be reckless, be puffed up with pride, love pleasure more than God. They'll act religious, but they'll reject the power that could make them godly. And then Paul says, stay away from people like that. Oof. That sounds harsh. But with eternity at stake, I can't afford a losing mindset in my inner circle. I'm not saying that you just have to be, oh, yeah, as a pastor, you just got to go, yep, yep, yes, sir, whatever you think. Yep, yep. Our leadership team knows. There's times they're going to be like, ah, I disagree with that, and I'm going to listen, and we'll revamp things, absolutely. But if somebody's always, this is bad, this ain't going to work, we've tried this, this is not going to work, that's not going to work. I'm telling you right now, this is, the life stinks, we're living in tough times. I'm not going to have you in my inner circle. Not only because of what God's trying to do, but you're just going to drive me nuts. <laughs> 
Choose friends and mentors wisely. Choose people whose voices you're allowing in your life wisely. And lastly, practice self-control. It can come. If you're a parent of a young child or maybe you work in children's ministry, you have seen or experienced when the child first learns the word no. No! 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 What did you just say to me? You don't say no to me. But eventually they get a little bit older, maybe even into their teens, and you're kind of like, hey, could you say no a little more now? I mean, like you want to bring no back, but not to you, but maybe to some of the other things that are going on in their lives. Being able to tell ourselves no is a huge component of spiritual growth. Because I don't want to read the Bible tomorrow. Well, no, you're not in control. I'm, I'm reading the Bible. I don't want to pray. I want to, I want to watch this or do this. Or, no, you're not in control. I don't want to fast. I'm actually really hungry. A uh, hamburger and a milkshake sounds good. Maybe we'll fast a different day. No, flesh, you're not in control. And it goes on. It goes to deeper issues. You know what? I, I don't think I should have to just be married to one woman. I think I should go explore other things. No, sorry, that's not the way we do things. You know what, I used to be an alcoholic, and oh man, I ain't been to that bar in a while. No, 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 you're not in control. We've got to be able to tell our flesh, I don't know who you think you are, but when I went to an altar and died out to flesh and repented of my sins, you died that day too. And so I walk after the spirit, not after the flesh. Maybe sometimes that goes to holiness issues. Say, man, I do all these things right, but I ain't ready to jump in, dress like that, act like that, look like that, listen to that, watch that. that. Well, maybe it's time that you remind your flesh, you know what? You're not in control. Everything I do, as, I do as unto the Lord and worship to Him. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Chances are any time you fall into sin, Look back, we dropped the ball somewhere on one of the fruit of the Spirit. Life got out of control. Somewhere we lost it with love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. People without self-control are dangerous to themselves and others. Without self-control, we can never align our daily choices with our overall purpose. And if that happens, we get stuck in a loser's mentality rather than one anticipates God's plan for my tomorrow. But self-control is a practice. This means it's something we do until it becomes a habit. To jumpstart your self-control, I want you to do something quick. Just take a moment, if you need to close your eyes, and identify areas of your life when you are easily distracted or even pulled into sin. Maybe it's bitterness, anger, hatred. Could be sexual sin. Could be alcohol, drugs, language, anger, pride. Whatever it is, everybody's got their own thing. What are the things you participate in that you end up dealing with regret afterward? Once you identify these things, you can follow these basic but powerful strategies. Make yourself accountable. Don't just try to do it alone. Make yourself accountable to someone. Remind yourself of your decision. That wasn't a one-time thing. Hang on a second here. I can't just go back. I made a decision. Here's why I made that decision. Stay away from trouble. If you're a recovering alcoholic, God's not calling you to the bars. And then build on each victory. And make sure you pray. Your decision determines your destiny as you stand to your feet tonight. If you choose to believe that no positive change is possible... None will occur, I promise you. If right now you're going, yeah, but I've struggled with this 10 years, 20 years, 30, oh, this is the same thing. I just can never get over this. And, you, and your mind's already going, yeah, you're never going to get past this. There's no change. Problem. You're a prisoner to your circumstance. 
you than you are. You're not going to, unless the mindset changes, you're going to keep losing. If you accept that, if you decide to lose, your destiny is decided. But if you decide to win, if something's in you going, I'm not claiming it's been great. I'm not claiming I got it all together. I'm not even saying that everything's been perfect. It's, it, maybe you're like, honestly, it hasn't. But I'm choosing to believe I am an overcomer. I am more than a conqueror. I'm going to choose to trust you at your word. And you said these things to me. So my present circumstance is not, in, in, it's not indicative of the overall picture. Today's battle is not something to be despised, but to be embraced as you get ready for your next step. So there's a there's just tremendous power and a choice that God's placed in your hands tonight. He's already wrote all about it. He told us about it. He wants a victory for you. So there's this amazing, powerful choice in your hands tonight. Winning is not quick. It's not easy. There'll be tons of setbacks along the way. To maintain an attitude of empowerment, you must prepare yourself for the long haul. Don't get discouraged when obstacles come. Why? Because I am not walking by sight. I'm walking by faith. And so if you're ready to make that decision, if you're ready to say, you know what? I'm going to get up there. I'm going to come to an altar. I'm rededicating myself to walking victorious. I'm rededicating myself to hang on. I got to get back. Maybe I've gotten in a little bit, slipped into a losing mindset. I'm done with that. I am, I am a, a winner. I am victorious. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm powerful because of what he has done and the spirit I'm filled with. And so if you're ready for that and your mindset is going, and it either needs to change or be renewed. I'm just telling you, come up here. Come and find a place to pray tonight. Don't let any current situation or circumstance tell you that's the end. That's what you're going to be. You're never going to go past that. That's all you're ever going to know. No, that's who you are. No, 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 no. Come and find a place to pray at this altar. Find a place where you say, I'm, I'm getting out of my comfort zone. And I'm going to get alone with you, Jesus. And I'm just going to renew my, my dedication to what you have already called me to be. You've called me to be victorious. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm powerful because of you, Jesus. Help me, Lord. I want to walk in this. This weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. And when the darkness falls, it won't breathe in. The God I serve knows only how to triumph. You see, my God will never fail. Oh, my God will never fail. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory for the For the battle. 